This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we are back with another edition of Flower After Hours. This is Mike Ryan Fan Account, and this week we are joined with Justin Timberlake lookalike, Jeremy Tache. This was one heck of an episode as we just happened to have the last 10 remaining MLB fans in the Lauer After Hours group chat and got to talk some MLB restart with South Florida's own Jeremy Tache. Enjoy. Jeremy, why the hell are we having a baseball season? <laughs> oh, man, that's a wonderful question. Uh, I, money? Uh, so I, I'm obviously, as, as a... As someone who covers the sport and has grown up a diehard fan of the game, I'm obviously happy to have it back. Uh, at the same time, equally uh, concerned with all of the health issues involved. Uh, obviously, a 60-game season is not like a legitimate baseball season uh, in any way. Uh, going just a couple of months, uh, and, and uh, Mike Ryan fan account up there talked about it just a, a second ago that I was talking about how it's chaotic uh that this season is going to be absolute and utter chaos because a 60 game sample is totally uh irrelevant in normal 162 game baseball uh there are tons of bad teams that have good two-month stretches every single year so it will be it you know uh, not actually in a bubble because they're traveling but in a bubble in a theoretical bubble this is a kind of fun thing to experiment with for a season but to be quite frank, it just comes down to the bottom line. The players and the owners want to make whatever money they can um, and have a season. I think when you see uh, commissioners across sports acting like it's a civic duty to bring back sports right now, I think that's kind of a silly uh, pitch. I don't know. We saw Adam Silver do that with basketball a couple of days ago. Um, this is not, I don't think it's necessarily like a rallying cry. This isn't over. Um, but that being said, uh, you have a, a game with, you know, you have a, a sport that has considered itself the national pastime. It has been the national pastime. And now uh, they can't afford to not have a season, I think is more what it comes down to than they don't necessarily, at least in my view, it hasn't seemed like they necessarily want a season that bad as much as the players want to play and the owners realize they can't afford to not have anything. I'm sorry, sorry. when you say the the owners can't afford not to have anything, is it, more so the owners can't afford not to try really hard to have something. Yes. Yes. So okay. I think at this point, the, the look for the owners, right. If there's no effort to make a season happen would have been, especially after all those negotiations back and forth over the span of a few months would have been a very bad look uh, amongst their fan base. And with a sport that let's be quite honest, uh, support over the last 20 years for the sport. I'm not going to say over the last five, because it's actually been relatively consistent over the last few years, but over the last couple of decades, you know, it's trended down to not, you know, there was a strike in 94. You had to have steroids save baseball. Then you've had all the issues that you've had. Now you don't want to see, you don't want to need another savior like Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, right? You need to keep your sport relevant. 
uh, and the only way to do so is by existing, right? Even if they try for a week and then have to, you know, disband the season, at least they tried. And and I think the look would have been really, really bad for ownership if they had just decided to disband the season. So that, that kind of touches on uh, kind of like, I don't know if you can say it's a conspiracy theory or what of, of mine, but just a, the interpretation that I got, everybody, all these leagues seem like they want to be the Joe Lewis of World War II, where mm-hmm. you, you bring out your, you know, your sport saves the collective conscious of America during this right. pandemic, right? Uh, my, my kind of impression that I got was that neither side, the players nor the owners, actually truly wanted the other side to blink first. Hmm. If if you could remain in a almost like a perpetual stalemate to the point where the season was lost, then mm-hmm. both sides continue to get to blame the other side because the fallout sure. from a team contracting COVID or or a player, heaven forbid, contracting this and losing some kind of lung capacity or his career being cut short. You know, you've got uh, I'm I'm blanking on the name now. Was it uh, Talib? Uh, who contracted it for the Broncos? Um, yeah. That that who, who he said he still didn't feel right. Right. Um, uh, m- weeks and weeks later. So uh, if if both sides, if the if the players can blame the owners and the owners can play the can blame the players uh, until it's kind of a lost season and nobody gets hurt as a result. Sure, nobody gets paid. And I know there's a lot of you know that that statistic came out earlier this week about you know how many players were going to make a hundred thousand dollars, which yeah, obviously, obviously, a lot of people pointed out as a lot of money. But um, that's the impression that I got. I don't know if you can expound on that. Yeah, I can. I uh, I think the thing that's important to keep in context is at the beginning of this, at the very beginning of when negotiations were coming back and COVID was trending down. Right, there was a stretch for about a month where COVID was just trending down. Man, what a nice memory, by the way. Right? What a time. (laughs) What a time in our collective consciousness. What a time to be alive. Right? And so so that was from from basically, I want to say that was about, uh, what, mid-April to to the end of May, that six weeks there where we were pretty much trending down. That's when the players truly were trying to make a season happen. They were saying, all we want is our full proration, just like you promised at the beginning of March, and we're there. The only thing that they also wanted to be sure of was to be able to keep the ability to file a grievance against Major League Baseball should there come a point where they felt it was necessary. That became a really big issue. And the owners, if we remember, when the players said, hey, we're ready to come back for our you know, 70 or 80 game season with the full proration, we're not happy that we're only getting, you know, half a season in, but it is what it is. The owners then countered with their initial tiered financing program that brought Garrett Cole from a $36 million man to a $9 million man. Uh, and we're trying to pin the players up against each other. There was a stretch for about six weeks where the players genuinely, no questions asked, wanted a season. There would have been obvious health restrictions. There would have been obvious moments that, like you're mentioning, you know, there's guys like Carlos Carrasco that still might have opted out. There might have been players that were uncomfortable. But there was about a six-week stretch there where the players genuinely, their only focus was getting a season to happen on what was the fair terms. Right. Their biggest issue in keeping a grievance and keeping the ability to file a grievance is that their issue with negotiating and quote unquote bad faith with the owners was that the, it seemed as though the owners have had these conversations about the finances with the preface behind it. There will be no fans this season, right? So they're saying we're taking that, you know, $35 million pot. We're dividing it this blah, 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 blah. You know, all the, all the numbers you've seen throughout out there by passing and Heyman and all right. these Rosenthal and all these guys. Right. And that pot was established under the guise of no fans this season. Well, now, as soon as a deal struck, two days later, you're seeing Mayor Jimenez here in Miami saying, well, we want fans at Marlins Park. And now the owners are going to be making the money that they were claiming that they weren't going to make during those negotiations. So that was the switch. Right. And so that was the player's issue in wanting to be able to file a grievance and saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. This negotiation was under the guise that there would be no fans. This money that we've split up amongst all of us was under the guise that you're not making money. 
Well, now if you're making money right. from revenue off of ticket sales, this should have been a different conversation. So when the owners were coming back, not only trying to decrease the proration, but also then say players couldn't file a grievance, that's where we got to butting heads. And that's why that six-week window where the players really did want baseball, kind of we missed that window. Because now, as things are spiking back up, players are getting more nervous. We've seen the same thing in the NBA, where everybody seemed gung-ho to come to the bubble. And then all of a sudden, the last couple of weeks, it's, oh, let's hold on a second. So I do think that while you are right that it's easy to play the blame game and essentially make sure that the blame is placed on either side of the conversation, I think it's important that we emphasize that for about a month, the players were negotiating truly wanting to play a season and the owners were kind of kicking that can down the road a little bit. Gotcha. For, for me, I don't think the owners have ever wanted a season. I think they want to try to break the baseball union and get football-ish, even basketball-ish, which has a great union because of the way silver works. Hmm. Their union is nowhere near as possible as baseball, powerful as baseball. I think, yeah. the union, I think the owners don't want a season. I think they see we're not going to make money. Let's, let's try to blame the players, make hmm. them look crappy, and then a year from now when we have to renegotiate, we'll have, in theory, fans on our side, in theory, public outcry to say, you players are greedy, when all they want is what was agreed upon, you know, back right. in March. It just seems weird. Yeah, I, I look, I don't disagree with you. I can't say for sure. Like, I don't have any sort of information that could confirm that. But I will say that as someone just looking from the outside in, just like you are, I don't totally disagree. It did seem very much just like a negotiation tactic, knowing that the CBA is up after next season and going, if we can pin our best players against our or our highest paid players against our lowest paid players, maybe that's how we can create a salary cap, right. right? Maybe that's how we can pitch in the next CBA to have a salary cap, which obviously would save Major League Baseball owners millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Uh, and, and, and for that matter, on the lower tier teams, would create a little bit more of a competitive balance. But it's the worst thing for players. Like, Having a salary, I think it's insane that we have salary caps in sports. I think it's a completely backwards business model in terms of we talk about sports as this great capitalist venture, and then we have a salary cap on how much an individual can make. It's the opposite of capitalism. So it's this very confusing, uh, not confusing, it's an obvious business model. It's structured that way for a reason in those other sports. And I think that's what major league owners would prefer, understandably, that, that said. But with all that being said, uh, I don't totally disagree with you that it did feel throughout a lot of this, like the owners, that first pitch where it was trying to create that the best players were losing, you know, 20 plus million dollars this year, while the worst players were only losing a fraction of their salary. Now, still significant money, but a fraction compared to the overall percentage that the best players were losing that was the obvious signal that owners were trying to sort of fracture that union and i think we saw it in football like mm -hmm. the proposal that the, the players in football just signed up for helps the lower guys more than the aaron Rodgers and you know mm -hmm. the jj watson etc right it just never seemed to have worked in baseball players in baseball just more like nope i rode that bus for three seasons you're gonna, you're not gonna take it away from me now, kind of thing. I don't know. Well, and that's actually a, a really good point. The the difference between baseball and then football and basketball is the minor league system. It's it's a number of years where minor leaguers are paid horribly for what their service is to the league, for what they're ultimately going to become, and so understandably, it, I, I compare it a lot to like student loan forgiveness. You know how there's a lot of people that have like just finished paying off their student loans and so they're against student loan for forgiveness because they're saying, well, that's not fair. I had to pay, do my thing, right? So you have players like, I, I, remember, I think it was Adam Eaton. It might have been Adam Eaton. I, I may be wrong on, on who it was. But there have been players that have sort of said, well, yeah, the minor leader, leaguer should be paid poorly because I had to be paid poorly. <laughs> and so, right? I had to deal with it. So should these guys. It, it makes such a race, hard. such a race to the bottom with that. Yeah, attitude. right. Yes. It's such a. It, I find that to be very confusing, and I don't think that it helps your game whatsoever. When that's None. the case, uh, I think they should all be sort of working together to elevate the bottom, even if it means 
maybe losing a little bit off the top. A, a, a rising tide lifts all boats is, yeah, is what they amen. should be going for. Yeah, and so I, it is funny that you say that because while while those leagues, the NFL and the NBA, can do a bit more of that, it's also because there aren't hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of minor leaguers waiting in the wings, too. No, that, they have three the minor leagues. It's it. called the NCAA football and the NCAA basketball. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. What uh, NL team do you think is going to be best equipped for the universal DH? Ooh, that's an interesting question because I could, you could answer it in a couple of different ways. Um, you could make the argument that obviously the Cubs having Schwarber is it is a huge advantage for them that he never has to make the mistakes in the field that he's constantly making. Uh, on the flip side, I can make the argument still that it seemed like the Nationals with aces that are so dominant that adding that extra bat that they have to get out isn't going to make that much of a difference where middle tier pitchers might struggle. Like you got to remember there is, and I mean, I dealt with it at the high school level as a pitcher. You, when you know that all you got to do is get through the heart of the order before, you know, Hey, I got the pitcher next inning. Right. So if I can just, if I can just gear up right now here in the sixth and get through, you know, three through six in the order, knowing that seven, eight, nine, not only are the seven and eight is not as great, but I can get to that pitcher spot. That's a totally different approach mentally for pitchers. So when you have aces like Scherzer and Corbin and Strasburg, that they're so dominant that facing one extra professional hitter is not going to make that much of a difference. I'd almost argue that it's not about whichever team gets the biggest advantage offensively. It's whichever team can withstand the DH from the defensive side. And I think the nationals might be most equipped to do so. On that point you brought up on that point, you brought up Schorber. Um, mm-hmm. What also helps the Cubs is like you touched on, he gets out of left field. Exactly. Where he blew, where he blew out his ACL, where it's error mm-hmm. after error. This guy was born to DH. And I remember Amen. two years ago, I remember two years ago, there were trade rumors about him. And Theo Epstein came on the air and said, would you Cub fans feel the same about trading Schwarber if the DH was here? Right. There you go. There you go. Now you got it. So <laughs> Theo Epstein looking forward a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a... I think that all of these national league teams will benefit, you know, even the Marlins will benefit because now, you know, a guy like Jesus Aguilar can, and Garrett Cooper, they can both DH often. And those will be two of the better bats in their lineup. So everybody's going to benefit ever so slightly offensively. Uh, But I think the bigger thing is like, which teams can overcome it more so than which teams will benefit offensively. I also want to throw one more question. Do you think yeah. the Nationals get helped by Scherzer not having the bat, by Strasburg not having the bat, even if it's like a come up there and a who cares kind of thing? I feel you like know, that also is going to help. I wonder, uh, because some of these guys, pitchers are also creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of a sudden, like we've seen examples of it before where pitchers go from the National League to the American League and then struggle. Now, that's more often because – they're having to face more good hitters, right? You're facing DHs as opposed to the ninth batter being a pitcher. But on the flip side, that could also have to do a bit with routine. And so some of these guys who are used to coming up in the middle of the game, the first few games, it might be a little strange for them. And I know that that seems crazy to think that that could affect them in any sort of real significant way. But in a year where there's only, you're only making eight, nine, 10 starts, you know, if for the first two, you're feeling a little weird that you're not hitting and so you're a little off well then you have a bad season because two of your eight starts are you know just average starts compared to what you're used to so I don't think it I don't think it necessarily helps or hurts for them to not have to go up to hit because those guys aren't even really putting in maximum effort sure, when they're going up but to even in the in the sixth inning when it's three to two well they're yeah, not getting hooked because yeah. I don't have to pinch hit for them I've got you know my other ninth hitter already hitting. I don't have to worry about making that double switch decision. It makes a manager's to- job, a manager in major league baseball. Now, like put any person on this chat as a manager in major league baseball. And we'd all probably do the same as any I, major league man. There's no strategy anymore. I hate it. Oh, God. For me as a, I am such a national league purist and old school. And I know that that seems silly because I'm 25 years old. But I'm so old school and purist in regard to the way that the strat, the chess game works with having to manage around that pitcher's at bat that I'm very disappointed that we may never see that again. 
you know, hopefully if we do have it in 2021, I'm going to savor every moment of it. Well, also, I think that's when you had the fourth outfielder that mm-hmm. you could bring in and bring the switch in. You had yeah. a guy who could play second. You had a, a Zobris who could play all positions in the infield. So Double you switches? So wherever you needed to and bring the pitcher in. Descri- you know? Like, imagine describing to a kid who's 10 right now what a double switch like in a game the World Series and the National League, right? And how crucial that was to what ultimately the result might have been. It's it's going to be pretty crazy that that really a lot of the stress there are multiple things now that just won't exist in baseball. Um, and that's, you know, it is what it is. I'm not mad. I'm not necessarily like angry about it. Uh, but as a guy that is sort of old school, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss that strategy. So as a Brewers fan, I am also a big fan of not having DHs because we've got Woodruff and Chassin that can really knock them. Um, Do you think that they will use this as an excuse to just make it a universal DH league? Or do you think that purists like us are uh, enough in the numbers that we can fight that? I I think it's inevitable at this point. Um, Maybe, maybe we do still get 2021 as a non-DH season. Uh, but by the t- when that collective bargaining agreement comes up in 2021, it's also a benefit to the players to have a DH, if we're being completely honest. that That's another position that basically you add, and we talked about this on Swings and Missions this week, you're adding 15 new Major League Baseball starters, right? So 15 guys that, you know, uh, Schwarber's an example. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton at this point in his career is a bit of an example. Uh, there are a multitude of, well, and obviously Big Poppy was a guy that should have been a DH from the very beginning. Uh, and you may see guys that start getting called Jordan Alvarez of the Astros may never play the field. Like that guy might be a career DH now because it doesn't matter which league he goes to. If there's a DH in both, he may never have to play the field ever again. He might just be a DH for his whole career. And you might start seeing some guys, you know, we were talking about this with the Marlins. There's a young man, Gerard Encarcion, who's in the minor leagues, who he's a decent outfielder, but offensively, he's remarkable. And so if all of a sudden, a couple of years from now, there's a DH in the National League, maybe they don't feel so nervous about trying to call him up because he can just DH the entire time. You know, it's right. going to change the trajectory of a lot of Major League Baseball players. And I even brought up that this could in the next four, five, six years, this could start trickling down to Little League Baseball. Like, I mean, very seriously, I was, I was a pitcher in high school. By the time I was in 10th grade, the bat was taken out of my hands, and I had been a shortstop before that. And so all of a sudden, where I was a kid who was used to hitting, because I was a good pitcher, I no longer got to hit. I was 15. But that was without the DH in the National League. So imagine a world where the DH just exists in Major League Baseball. By the time you're 11, 12 years old, if you're a really good pitcher, why would your travel baseball coaches or prospect coaches be working with you on anything else? Right. And it's really going to change what baseball is like at the Little League and travel ball level as well, which is obviously so disappointing. (laughs) Because also young kids at 12, 13 years old, the best pitchers are also the best hitters. Like they're just the best athletes. So it would be really disappointing to see kids who, you know, some 12-year-old who's, a, who's an ace on his 12-year-old team who then starts throwing curveballs too early, blows out his arm by 15, and because he hasn't hit for the last three years, doesn't get a chance to come back as a, a, a shortstop or whatever he might have been otherwise. So I hope that's not the long-term effect, but it does feel possible. My, uh, my baseball career uh, uh, completely um, was comprised of going to my friends' Little League teams, uh, Little League games, uh, more often than the entire team showed up. So eventually, literally, the coach uh, uh, asked me to play. I'd never played baseball before. I did not play, like, t-ball or anything like that. He asked me to to basically – he stuck me out in right field. I love uh, it. And in uh, and, and the first, first game I played, I only ended up playing, like, four games. First game I played, I literally caught a, uh, a fly – out to out right right over top of me i closed my eyes stuck my glove up smalls man exactly exactly that's literally (laughs) what happened i kid you awesome um i got i think i got hit by a pitch and i got walked one time and that's that's the only uh uh times i ended up on base um but so uh to to give you an idea i watch baseball when i can i watch a lot of clips on youtube uh that's kind of how i consume it uh 
uh, I don't have cable. I don't have traditional like, like packages like that. Um, so this is what I'm more concerned with. Gentlemen, help me explain the magic at bat to, to Jeremy if he's not familiar. Uh, if Jeremy, the look on your face says that you are familiar with the magic at bat. Are you familiar with it? I'm familiar, but I would love a full explanation. Just because I okay. want to hear you guys try to explain it <laughs> in a logical way. Somebody help me out here. Somebody help me out here. All right, so I'm logically. Take a swing. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, Good one. basically, the way it goes is in other sports, your superstars are the ones who are getting the ball at the end of the game. And it makes it really exciting for those last second shots. Or, you know, Aaron Rodgers throws down the field. Well, the thing about this, the magic at bat, you know, take it in the eighth inning, Trout leads off. Mm-hmm. All right. And he singles, but then the next three get out. Well, dang, now you're at like really bad circumstance mm-hmm. at the bottom of your order. Well, with this magic at bat rule, a manager has the opportunity to call any player at any time for any moment to get in at bat. And, and it's just once, is, correct? It's just yes, once. Yes, it's only once. So the, uh, ideally, I'm thinking people are going to use it in the ninth inning. Of course. But, uh, yeah, the idea is is you're getting Mike Trout right. in the ninth inning against the Chapman or, sure. you know, Miller, whoever's, whoever's closing the game. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't hate it. Uh, <laughs> yes. I think it's fun. I, so I obviously, dude, I am such a, like, as everything that I've said in the last half hour we've been talking, I'm a baseball, like, purist, right? So I do think that a huge part of the strategy of the game is the fact that, like, you know what the order is, and thus you can game plan effectively. So it would completely change everything. But in my mind, if we're just adding the DH to the National League and we're throwing a runner on second and extras, what's the difference anyway, right? We're changing the game completely already. So why not add something fun like that? I mean, I really, I don't hate it. I remember the first time uh, it was brought up by Stugatz and I just like, I just about curled over laughing uh, over, (laughs) just over like the whole conversation. Because, you know, obviously all the guys are going back and forth, uh, having a good time with it. And, you know, an hour later into the show, pitching a new way that it could work. And, you know, as, as, as the Levitard show is one to do. Um, but I honestly, I don't hate it. You know, we could, if they, if, the, if major league baseball decided to change things up and have some fun with the new CBA starting right. in 2021 and add some new weird things like that into the game to energize folks, you know what? Uh, we'll probably hate it for like a year or two and then just get used to it. So why not? Right. right. So is this a gateway to trampoline warning tracks? <laughs> I was going to say, that's probably the line for a period. <laughs> that's going to be my line. Yep. Trampoline warning tracks is where I go. I'm, I'm personally in favor of either the ball pit idea or the water warning track. If water. You can the make water just, warning track is the, awesome. The, I'm in. It is, that right? I'm in. Yeah, Are yeah, you yeah. Kidding me? Those I'm dudes, in. Those well, outfielders look so good in their uniforms already. Can you imagine like a hot summer wet. day baseball game soaking wet, like getting out of that water warning Chris track? Chris Bryan out in left field oh my emerging God. from a pond, flipping oh. his hair. Come on. If you want Stop. to attract a whole new demographic of baseball fans, put a water warning track there. I, I will Come say, not even, not even as a warning track, just essentially that's the end of the field. So if you yes. hit it, right? <laughs> so if you hit it into the water – deep enough it's just yeah. it's a home run if they can't get to it they can't but you That's can brilliant. just dive in as far as you can go try to catch the ball right if if a, if a line drive rolls into the water well then it's just a ground rule double there right no different than if the ball gets stuck under the fence if you're hitting something in the gap that's ending up rolling that far anyway it's probably a double regardless if Screw. golf can do this if if golf can do this i don't know why baseball can't yeah, and what we could do, it's perfect. You put like one of the, you know how like the Shamu tanks have the little cutoff, right? So what you could yep. do is you could sell seats about 10 feet back Whoa. in the water, right? So you could just watch the game from a raft in the water <laughs> where you're about 15 feet from the end of the field, right? Yep. So home runs, it's like McCovey Cove when Bonds was hitting homers in McCovey Cove. Everybody's got a McCovey Cove. So I think we've come up with something pretty brilliant here. To be I honest. mean, the, and the, think about the, the price uh, difference. Like if you got a ticket in the splash zone, 
you know, oh, where oh, it's there's there's so much marketing to go there. there look, it, it would be what we're doing is obviously really silly. It's a very uh, <laughs> it's a different game altogether. But at the same time, like what 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 is the harm in trying to attract a new fan base? I, I think that, you know, I'm lucky. I grew up with a dad who played baseball, has coached baseball since he's 15, who's ingrained it in my head from the time I'm a little kid. And I've, I've just, I love it. Right. So I, I have just for nostalgia purposes, I love it. But for people who have never been introduced to the game in that way, and the majority of the American population at this point over the last, like my generation does not love baseball the way that my parents' generation did. Why not try to attract my friends who find it boring? I get it, you know, and if you are already like to me, the thing I've always said is in order to love baseball, you have to understand the chess game that exists within it. But by adding the DH, by adding the runner to second base and extras, by doing some of the things that they're doing, by promoting home runner strikeout, you're eliminating a lot of the chess game to begin with anyway. So why not try to add some new elements? Oh, sorry. Yes. Magic at bat. My idea, if they're going to bring in the DH, is allow the double switch with players in the lineup. So you can switch your number three hitter for your number nine hitter in the lineup to give you like a magic at bat, and then you replace your shortstop. So you, okay. you keep the double switch idea and that, but you, if you're going to add the DH, you can add a double switch with, with players within the lineup to give you sort of a magic at bat sort of scenario. So essentially you would move your DH to wherever that at bat needed to be. Well, not and necessarily. Trout, trout bats third, your number nine hitters up. You can double switch Trout to the nine spot, put in a new and guy. And then you got to sub somebody spot. and that guy goes there. Interesting. So so, so it's essentially a double switch with somebody already in the game. Okay. Correct. Interesting. Interesting. Allowing you to, and that gets you sort of the ability, if you're going to hit a DH and you want to keep the, the double switch, that's it's, the way I think you could incorporate it. Well, it's basically what Joe Madden was doing with all those relievers with the Cubs, except, you know, and playing a reliever in left field and on the mound and switching them back and forth and hoping they wouldn't have to come up and wouldn't have to ever actually right. field the ball in left field or right field. Yeah. Very similar. That's interesting. So this is, this is John. So being absurd is kind of my thing. So let me throw two absurdities at you um, with the magic at bat. Um, uh-huh. How about picking somebody from the other team uh, to be your magic <laughs> at bat? All right. Number one. <laughs> And number two, uh, since we're going to go down this road, how about doing something in the outfield um, like uh, Takashi's Castle where um, you have trap doors and things that you don't know when they just uh, – all of a sudden he's running for, for fly ball and boom, he just drops out, you know, of the field. So I think what we're pit. creating now, I think the sport that we're creating – you guys remember when – I want to say it was like Nickelodeon used to show that trampoline basketball or it could have been on ESPN. I think there it was, was like, TNT. Could have been, I, man. I, 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 I know exactly was, what you're talking about. But there was like a trampoline basketball league. <laughs> yep, yep. That like legit existed. It was real. There were like former college players that were playing in this trampoline basketball league. And I think that's essentially the sport you guys are. You're just creating a different baseball. This is we can create. Our, we can right here, right now, file an LLC and create our own new league <laughs> where all of these things exist. But I think it's going to be real tough to make all of these uh, all of these absurd changes happen. But I, I don't hate them. I just uh, we can create our own league with it. Morgan, did you have a comment? Yeah, Barrett's got the most important thing about the magic at bat, which is the plume of smoke that the guy comes out. Of. <laughs> you can't forget the plume of smoke. It's the best. You part can't forget it. it. It's like the canes no. in the in the eighties coming out to smoke. Well, I don't know what that means. Sure, I'm, I'm foreign. But I like, understand. Oh, just imagine like <laughs> it's billowing and there's lights and there's shit happening and there's organs playing and outcome. It would. Could uh, you imagine? Are you we, familiar I, with Bill? Or I'm sorry, Jamie. Go ahead. Oh no, it's totally fine. I'm, I, this is all just absurd anyway. But I uh, I recently was pitching to uh, uh, I've become friendly. So I'm also if any I mean. M- some of you guys follow me on Twitter. I'm an obnoxious UCF football fan, uh, University of Central Florida uh, college football. And I love uh, how you explained that for me. Well, I just I knew wanted that to, one. I wanted to make <laughs> I wanted to make sure. Um, I wanted to acknowledge any any possible shortcomings here uh, in terms of cultural gaps. But uh, as a big UCF fan, I was recently encouraging their. Uh, I have a decent relationship with uh, their main content guy, 
and I was encouraging him, uh, we found this like trap remix of uh, Darth Vader's theme. And I found like a trap remix of it. And I was encouraging him to have like to play that as UCF comes onto the field for home games. And could you imagine like the Empire's theme from Star Wars playing as XYZ player emerged from smoke from the dugout for this magic at bat, just like with maybe even a lightsaber painted bat right a bat that looks like a lightsaber i mean I'm wow just yeah turn off yeah. all the lights and just have... oh man oh yeah, man. turn off the lights there's a spotlight and smoke and he's got darth vader's mask on and all that sudden, that would have to off, and it's john carlos stanton bam that would have to Looking be that wet. would have to be the theme that the astros use all season since they're the <laughs> bad guys right now right <laughs> yeah like they they would, would Although and it the, works uh, for the Yankees as the evil empire. Yeah, I mean, it really yeah, works for them. We, we it love really it. works for the Yankees. Bring your, bring your pain to us. We'll take it all. That's what I'm saying. It's fun. <laughs> it could be a blast. It's good to be the bad guy sometimes. It's fine. <laughs> I was thinking... We'll I, take your attention, lovers or hate us. I was, I was imagining like a Bill Goldberg entrance, like an entrance ramp with the sparklers. You remember classic Wrestling. WCW? Bill <laughs> Goldberg on his, uh, on his streak. Um, so, uh, one of the, so I forget who proposed it. Um, uh, somebody wanted you, uh, to build the best movie baseball team, uh, from players from television and baseball. Is that possible? I know that's kind of putting you on the spot. Okay. So I'm just going to be perfectly frank. I'm going to struggle with the couple of character names, but I'll, I'll try to do like actors and I'll try to piece this together the best that I can. So obviously, one of our outfielders will be Shoeless Joe Jackson, based off his ghost in Field of Dreams. Okay. Our catcher will obviously be uh, Kevin Costner and Bull Durham. Nice. Uh, I've got Henry Rowan Gartner as my starter on the mound. Okay. Um, hmm. A wild oh. thing can be his reliever. Obviously, <laughs> even if we need long relief because Henry struggles, we can go Nick Lelouch from Bull Durham. Okay. I think. How about uh, Steve Nebraska? Oh, man. Oh, I th- oh uh, Willie Mays Hayes has got to be our center fielder. Right. Uh, and you got to have that speed. And then I think it's important to make sure that one of our outfielders is Matthew McConaughey's character from Angels in the Outfield. Simply <laughs> for, for a couple of different reasons. Everybody needs a really good looking player on their team. And the second note would be that you need a little bit of that magic out there, man. Like none of these other movies had that type of stuff really going for it. And then obviously the manager is, uh, I want to make sure that I say this right, Bill Haywood from Little Big League, uh, the 12-year-old manager of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, One Bill Haywood has to do what Bill Haywood must do for Bill Haywood, uh, which if you guys haven't seen that movie in a long time, that reference means nothing. But uh, I think Billy Haywood's the manager. I know we got to piece together this team, but it, it might so it might you, take me a while. But I can send you guys. I will send. I'm gonna send. Uh, I'm gonna send uh, you guys a copy of. Once I can sit down and really like plan this out, I will send you a message that says specifically what the rest of the team looks like. Okay, Jeremy, I'm really disappointed that off rip you left Benny the Jet out of your oh, outfield. Oh. oh man! Oh, I hate myself. I'm he still so has time. Sorry. He still has time. Gosh. Oh, gosh. No, I I'm thought you were going to say him off rip, and then you didn't. I was like, oh, yeah. a little bit sketchy you know, then. This is going to – you know what it is going to be? This is going to be – I don't want to, like, go full hot take here. But for me personally, I have, like, four or five baseball movies I watched before The Sandlot. And so I love The Sandlot. I watch The Sandlot constantly. But I watch all baseball movies constantly. But like, for love of the game, for me, is like the perfect baseball movie. I think it's a perfect movie, and maybe that's my bias as a pitcher because the whole thing is through the eyes of the pitcher. But like, I could put, oh my god, I could have Kevin Costner throw to himself. I could have Kevin Costner from, from for the love of the game throwing to Kevin Costner from Bull Durham. So that's my new choice. Sorry, okay, that op- that opens up a, like a you could time. be the setup guy. That opens up like a wormhole in time space. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You guys got to give me, if you give me, like, if I would have known about this question, I could have come in. I know you guys didn't know about this question. I could have come in with a list for you. Let me create a lineup. I'll tweet it out. And and you guys can, we can all interact there. I'll come up with a lineup based off of this. I'll link to the podcast, say that we talked about it. Uh, Sure that 
everybody sees what that list is and we can start having some fun with it. Fantastic. Thank you, Jeremy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Jeremy, what is your Twitter, Twitter account? My Twitter account is just at Jeremy, Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, Tache spelled T-A-C-H-E. So uh, I do have a music video that I directed with a buddy of mine here in uh, here in South Florida. His name is Grant Stemmler. He is a uh, photographer based out of South Florida here. And yeah, I, I've been a, a singer-songwriter playing shows since I was like 16. Um, I haven't done a lot as of late once I actually entered the professional world. But when I was in college, I played a few gigs here and there. And, you know, the the dance marathons and things like that across the schools here in Florida and uh, I really love music. It's it's obviously kind of a side project as I'm not pursuing it super professionally. Uh, but yeah, music's on like Apple Music and Spotify and all that all that jazz. If you guys want to check it out, do you actually go by the other JT? <laughs> so I, when I was like 15, I actually legitimately was trying to brand things that way. Uh, then I realized mm, it's a little corny, but I love embracing the corniness. So that's yeah, fantastic. I, yeah. I love being the other JT. Uh, that's just like, it's, I, I really do love Justin Timberlake. I've tried to model my look after him in the whole, you know, haircut and facial hair and the whole, the whole nine wearing denim and you know, all that. You, stuff. You're doing an excellent uh, job. Did you, did you also <laughs> date Britney Spears in the early two thousands? Yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 When I was about six, Hot damn. we were dating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it really wow. Worked out. All right. Overachiever. Shit. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. God. But uh, no, there is a, and I, I can also tweet this out or send this to you guys somewhere if you want. My, uh, my girlfriend and I have been dating for for over six years now, and our first Halloween together, uh, we did the JT and Brittany from the two thousand. <laughs> yes. The full denim. The double denim. Yeah. Here, let me see. I'm gonna try to pull it up for you real quick and just show it to you guys on this chat uh while we talk so i'll I'll continue this conversation but i'll try to pull it up as well if you excellent excellent me and my girl did k fed and britney for one of our halloween costumes yeah there you go i'll I'll send that out later my goodness oh my gosh yeah the uh the whole the the other jt thing has always just been kind of a fun thing for me because playing baseball (laughs) in high school i had you know uh teammates call me jt and, and stuff like that and i've always i've always loved to embrace it so uh, I just like messing around with it on the old Twitter bio and saying that people call me that, but it's not true. I just call myself that. Well, that's your, 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 um, your brother did something. You tried to promote it on, on Twitter. Or, oh, my brother? Uh, yeah. Didn't, yeah, my, didn't you, uh, brother well, my just... brother. So my brother is, I am so proud of that kid. So my brother is 19 years old. He's a college freshman at UCF. He is working with, uh, Anna Eskamani here in Florida, who is the state rep for Orlando. And so uh, they've been doing a lot of work actually uh, specifically in making sure that all Floridians are actually getting the unemployment that they file for. Um, and so he's been going through that entire process. He's been helping people. So as a 19-year-old, as an intern here, he's been helping folks to sort through their unemployment. Uh, wow. He also helped, uh, he was out at the, the Black Lives Matter protest here in our community uh, he's a really, really remarkable kid. I'm so proud of him um, for all of the work that he does in, in social activism. And he's just, he's really, really remarkable. He's done a lot of work in the, the mental health community uh, down here. He ran uh, a mental health club while he was in high school over at the middle school to make sure that the middle schoolers were having the proper outlet um, because he had just had a friend who had gone through some stuff herself. And I mean, he's just like, I can't begin to describe how proud I am of him. He's amazing. That's incredible. That's, that's, uh, I know it's always said, but like the generation that comes after you, they're just so much better at everything. (laughs) It's amazing, man. It's amazing what they, it it really is. Yeah. I'm blown away by them. Also, this is, uh, this is our JT and Brittany. Oh my God. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we did like the full, so like the middle one is obviously the real picture and then the rest are just Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, man. Oh man. I went to, uh, I know that this is not great for an audio medium uh, to be describing what we looked like, but so that you guys can understand, went to Goodwill. My girlfriend bought a uh, a denim romper and two denim skirts, sewed them together to create a <laughs> denim dress. I wow. bought a denim jacket, oversized denim jeans, a shirt that looked like denim, and then bought a Abraham Lincoln-looking top hat that was plastic from Target printed out pictures of denim and pasted it to the hat so it looked like the oh cowboy God. hat. Did you so get a was, perm? 
I, I didn't, but I have curly enough hair to begin with. Actually, you can't tell because my hair is short, but when I grow out my hair a little bit, it is pretty curly. So I just sprayed uh, like yellow, not spray paint, but it's like supposed to be for Halloween, like paint in my hair. So it was, it was a joy. It was a, it was a true joy. One of, well one, of the, one of the better things I've ever been a part of. <laughs> I told you he was a right I'm being man. totally honest. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, yeah, anything else you guys got for me? Yeah, I did. Did you guys cover cheating before I got on? No. Did you cover what? The Astros. Baseball scandals. Oh, the Astros. Huh. Uh, no, we did not cover that. Uh, so are you asking my opinion? That or? is exactly what I was going to say. I, I'm okay. asking. So I, too, am kind of old-fashioned, and I think that this is a bit of a prisoner of the moment kind of thing, and it's mm-hmm. a little bit ignorant to think that people aren't using technology to their advantage before this time. Sure. So I'm, I'm wondering how you feel about that, because I'm a young baseball fan, too, and sure. I'm in the minority saying that, I feel like. Yeah, so I think what the Astros did was really wrong, right? Like, it it was, period. End of discussion. What they did was taking it to another level. Um, that being said, you're not wrong. People have been cheating in sports and will cheat in sports forever. Uh, I think this is the first time where technology has advanced so far that now you can create some, like, real advantages. Um, but I can actually even liken, I'm sure, and we don't have the obvious you know, proof of whatever, but I'm sure that when, when TV monitors first started showing up in dugouts, I'm sure that there were teams that felt like if a team had a TV monitor in their dugout to begin with, even if it was delayed by a few seconds, that by getting to look at what the catcher was putting down with their fingers in general, that even if you could just look at that a few seconds later and then see, oh, that was a curveball. So you can start really studying the sequences better. I'm sure there were teams that felt like that was cheating. And now we don't look at that as cheating at all, right? Yeah, I I've got a buddy who did that really well on our team. He By yeah. the third inning, he was picking up the third base oh, yeah. coach's signs every single time and was letting us know. My very last game that I ever pitched in high school, I came to find out after the fact that our coach was tipping our pitch. And so I never stood a shot. Uh, and it was really, 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 really disappointing, uh, all things considered, because I was also – I was throwing up against a freshman in high school at the time whose name was Jesus Lazardo, who is now the number one prospect in all of baseball as a left-handed pitcher. He was a freshman. I was a senior. Now he's a 21-year-old, 100-mile-an-hour throwing lefty uh, from Stoneman Douglas High School. Um, but – uh, that being said, I, I, I can almost liken it. And look, I, what I'm going to say right off the top, and I said it from the beginning, I condemn what the Astros did. Like, I think that they took it a line too far. But what I could also make the comparison to is like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. They cheated. But they cheated using drugs that weren't against the rules of Major League Baseball yet. Right? So what the Astros did at the time, from at least what I understand, was not against Major League Baseball's rules yet. Now they are. If another team does that now, they'll be A-Rod, who's a cheater, right? That guy's a cheater, period. Manny Ramirez, cheater, right? The guys that did it after the drug testing and the specific rules came in place those are the guys that I get if you don't want to include them in the Hall of Fame, et cetera. The guys before, while skirting the rules, that's no different than the fact that, like, Willie Mays and Hank Aaron are taking amphetamine uppers before the game, right? They're taking amphetamines because it was just a legal drug at the time. Now it's against the rules. So with this cheating with technology, I think we can – there's always going to be a learning curve when there's new technology or there's new advancements in drugs or there's new things. I bet – 15 years from now whatever stuff lebron's taking to keep himself in that type of shape 15 years from now might not be legal in the nba right like that type of stuff changes over the years so i do think that we have to look at it through that perspective sometimes as well this would be my thought process but it did was wrong and they should suffer as a result like what happened to them as a result is the correct thing it's just we also have to know that there there is a line 
um, and, and a evolution that will happen as technology becomes more advanced. So do you think that the uh, Astros uh, started this coronavirus to distract everybody from uh, their cheating? Yeah, that's uh, – do you not follow QAnon? I'm pretty sure that's their, like, big conspiracy theory, right? It's the Astros along with 5G or whatever. Isn't that, isn't that the whole thing? It's the Houston Astros' fault that we're all suffering. I thought so. Gosh. I thought it, no, I'm, I thought I'm, it was I'm, Ben I'm Simmons. Simmons. Ben Simmons oh, was trying ben to avoid – Yeah, he was trying to avoid playing for Australia because he'll do anything not to wear green and gold. Sorry, mm. that's what he did. Okay, so do you think that maybe he flew from Philly to Houston and, like, talked with Carlos Correa about, like, hey, what can we do to help ourselves out? Maybe, maybe that's what it was, oh, yeah. the Astros. The Astros He's and all that helping himself out. Work, work, working in conjunction. This is not where I anticipated this going. Uh, I was he would be the worst person born in Corona. Melbourne if Kyrie wasn't born here. Uh, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of where, where I thought this was uh, going to go, I'm surprised. Well, I, I got in a little late. Uh, have you guys uh, talked about Samson at all? I, I thought uh, Debro would have uh, brought that up. Look at her face change. Jeez. But Chris <laughs> Bryan all over again. John, we got to save some stuff. Way better than Chris Bryan. Yo, yo. I was 10, uh, 10 minutes late, so no, uh, we have, Jeremy we have, may not have time. and, and um, we So can I, I will be honest, I do have to run at least, dude, but I can answer whatever. Oh, now question. he's got to run. No, he brings I let's do. save it, hey, let's hey, save hey, it for hey, next hey. time. I knew, no, 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 I knew that as soon as I said I have to run, that that would be the general, which is why I'm saying I can answer whatever question it is, and then I got to run. So what's, uh, is no, it, let's what's save it, let's save it. Let, let's save it because this this might be very uh, deep radio tease. We'll we'll come back next week. Sure, perfect. Radio tease. We're all getting there. We're, we're learning little by little. Just just like the local hour, learn little by little. What to tease and go forward. You guys are doing the same thing here. I love it. Oh, yeah, we can we can tease that for next time. Yeah, we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk. To you. <laughs> It's for hey, let me just say thank you guys so much for having me on here. I think this is a really, really cool platform uh, that you guys are creating. I think that it's awesome that you guys are, are creating this community. I obviously grew up a Levitard Show fan. It was one of the it is probably the greatest honor of my professional life thus far that I was on the local hour uh, to talk Marlins. So to get to be a part of this has been uh, pretty cool. So thank you guys for wanting to have me on here, and I, I really appreciate your support constantly so thank you yeah thank you thank for joining us thanks jt absolutely guys well, and thank so you know I, I i'm already um i already consider us best friends yeah yeah yeah. no i get it i'm best friends with all of you friend. i mean that truly thank you guys seriously and uh yeah i'll, I'll I, I look forward to that chat uh i look forward to that chat yeah love you love you uh all right i'll talk to you guys later thank you so much for having me on thanks Bye, jt yeah. thanks for that all right see you guys later bye-bye bye you guys think he pees in the shower? For sure. For sure. Oh, absolutely.